Good morning, folks, and thanks for joining us. Welcome to the MMA Sucker Podcast. My name is Tim Wheaton, joined as always by Fraser Crone. Fraser, how are you doing today? Yeah, good, mate. Thank you. We were just saying after uh, what what could have on paper been a fairly quiet quiet episode, you know, we had Bellator and UFC from the weekend just gone, and then we've got pretty much it's just pretty much exclusively the UFC next weekend. Mm-hmm. Despite the fact that fact, there's plenty to talk about from uh, from Bellator, especially, and you know, there's some interesting uh, takeaways from the UFC. So uh, yeah, we we might be able to uh, to pique your interest at some point throughout throughout the podcast. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. I'm like, you and I are actually so snobbish that there's other stuff of like, man, did Pat Barry groom the girl? What's next for Jorge Masvidal and Conor McGregor? Kang Velasquez might be getting out of jail, and you and I are just like, no, let's talk about the fights. Let's exactly. talk about the fights. Yeah. There's plenty of news around MMA, but you know the fights. Without the fights, you haven't got MMA. Let's be honest. So, uh, without the controversy, you've got no talking points. So, that's why I think uh, I was just saying to you a second ago. Yeah, the controversy for me is the the, the Bellator main event, as far as the scoring is concerned. And uh, yeah, I'm sure we'll go into detail on that shortly. So Bellator had an interim welterweight champion with one with maybe their biggest name fighter in Michael Benham Page versus Logan Storley. I had heard this fight framed as the guy who can never get up from his back versus the guy who can never pass guard. And I thought, I'll catch up on that later. Hearing the reviews on Twitter and stuff like that, I, I feel like I didn't miss out on anything. I think they put everybody to bed in London there. So tell us what happened. There's a major controversy coming out of this fight. Bring us up to date on what's going on here. Yeah, for sure. Like, you know, I was quite lucky. I finished work at 10 o'clock. I managed to get home. And by the time I, I showered and everything, I flicked on BBC iPlayer, which is obviously what where Bellator is uh, broadcast here in the UK. And it was, you know, they were literally just facing off for the for the touch of gloves before the fight. So I was, you know, I was thinking, happy days. We've got... I've got potentially five rounds. I, I picked Page to win in uh, in you know under under the twenty five minutes, and then what played out was maybe I can't say one of the most boring fights I've seen in a while because Carlos Barza and Rose Namajunas fought <laughs> a little over a little over you know a week ago. So you know that is now my my benchmark for all all, all things boring fight. But <laughs> Logan Storley. Stalled the fight. You know he didn't look to ever win or finish that fight. And um, you know Michael Page, like you say, in the welterweight division across across MMA. You know he's got that strange karate style, similar to um, to Wonderboy Thompson. Although I think he's a lot more explosive than Wonderboy Thompson. Wonderboy Thompson will throw the leg kick. He'll throw a lot more jabs, whereas you'll see Michael Venom Page dive in with almost like a Superman punch or dive in with a quick one too. And it's just a completely, although it's the same style as Wonderboy, it's also a completely different style to Wonderboy, which is quite quite interesting. It seems they both come from that karate, uh, karate background. Mm-hmm. But, you know, like you say, he's got a massive, massive hole in his game, which he even, you know, I, I read a short interview with him this morning that said, once I, once I saw that hole in my game out, I will be able to, you know, I will be the, one of the most dangerous men in MMA. How many fights does it take for you to have to sort that, that hole in your game out? You know, you, you, yes, he's only lost once and it was by knockout and it was that sort of freak kind of leg kick on the way back up. He was knocked out by Douglas Lima, mm-hmm. but you know, he's 22 fights into his career now at 35 years old. You have to be asking the question, how much longer has he got at the, at the highest game and for to not to not figure out that that is the hole in your game and and that's where you need to improve and that's where you need to be if i if i if i was michael venom page i'd have the best wrestlers in the uk start rounds with me on my back and i from now until this next fight let's be honest he's going to be given a gimme fight next you know yes yeah. it was an interim title fight but this is what bellas will do especially with michael page you know, um, with the greatest of respect, you know, he did come up coming off the loss to uh, to Douglas Henry for Richard Keeley, who was three and one at the time. And these aren't good, three, right? Three, like, they, you know. like, he's lost in the biggest ones of his career, but yeah, that's always the, the line with him is he's fighting cans, right? Exactly, yeah. And you know, you, you have got the fights in there against Ross Houston, you got the controversial split decision against Douglas Lima last you know the the fight before Logan Storley's yep but even then he was controlled 
he wasn't beaten on the feet. He was beaten on the ground, and that's where the split, so the split came from. Mm. Personally, I scored it three-two to Page, but I can even see a four-one to Page. And you know, I've put in my notes here. You have to look at the unified rules of MMA. There's a 2019 document online which I'm, I'll send across to you, so you can link it in the in the bio if people want to go ahead and read that down below. But you know, word for word, it said legal blows have to have an immediate or cumulative impact with the potential to contribute towards the end of the match. In this case, Page's blows were having a, cum- a, a cumulative impact on Storley. Storley wasn't throwing anything on the feet. He was throwing the odd leg kick, maybe the odd swing and overhand right that was miles away from landing and was doing very little damage on the ground. Page was, you know, if you look at Storley's face, you look at Page's face. I know that's not how we judge MMA fights, but mm. Page won that fight if you just on a visual. Um, another point. Successful execution of takedowns, submission attempts, reversals, and the achievement of advantageous positions that produce immediate or cumulative impact with the potential to contribute to the end of the match. Mm-hmm. Did Storley ever actually look to end the match with his takedowns? I no, he, he didn't look for any submit. There, there were submissions there that he could have at least tried. There was an arm triangle opportunity. There was a couple of times when he could have, you know, transitioned around onto the back of page. Yes, it was difficult because they were doing a lot of the wrestling was up against. You know, it was on the mat against the cage. Mm-hmm. But at no point did he actually look to contribute towards the end of the match as a result of his takedowns. Yes, he was getting the takedowns, but takedowns with no damage shouldn't yeah. be scored, in my opinion. You know, there was... Uh... Because it goes in priority. Even though you do get control with a takedown, control is after looking at damage scored. So it's 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 a it, this is the priority that you're listing. Even if exactly. you have control... You still have to look at who scored more damage first, control next. Exactly. And, you know, it says top and bottom position fighters who assess more on the impact or effective result of their actions more so than their position. So this is when oh. we say, okay. you know, a fighter can win fighting off his back and you can win a fight fighting off the back foot yeah. in the stand-up game. But if, let's say, taking, you know, Jan Blahovic and Alexander Rakic from this weekend... Rakic won that second round because he took Blahovic down and was doing effective damage and impactful yep. damage. If Blahovic was constantly throwing up um, submission attempts, was you know hurting um, hurting Rakic off his back, that round would have gone to Rakic despite the despite visually Rakic being the fighter that was on top. Right, Storley was the fighter on top, but again, that also plays against Michael Venom Page because he wasn't looking to get up, uh, to to throw up submissions. He wasn't looking to land on Storley too much off uh, off his back and. He was just looking to get back to his feet, mm-hmm. which is, you know, that getting up from having been taken down and getting up isn't scored. The, the benefit to that is that you get back into the the area of the fight that you want to be, in Michael Venom Page's case, in the stand-up game. And then it says only when the only when the sort of damage between the two men is equal. So, you know, Page wasn't doing any more on the feet than Storley was doing on the ground. I'd argue that he was doing a lot more on the feet than Storley was doing on the ground. But should the next two cri- uh, criteria be looked at? Effective aggressiveness. Yeah. Aggressively making attempts to finish the fight. And the key term is effective. So it's effective aggressiveness. You can't just be throwing out, you know, if you land, for example, 100 jabs, but someone else lands 50 overhand rights that rock you every time. Yes. The hundred jabs do not count as much as the fifty over. Yes, you've landed double the amount of strikes. You know, classic example is Cheeto Vera a couple of weeks ago. Yes, he landed a hundred, well, one hundred twelve, hundred fourteen less strikes than Rob Font, but clearly won that fight because he he had the more effective aggressiveness, the more effective strikes. Mm. You know, chasing opponent with no end result or impact should not render into the judges' assessments. That's word for word what it says in in the in the unified rules. Storley wasn't being effective with his aggressiveness. He was just holding Page on the on the ground, just holding and looking to slightly advance his position. But even when he did was able to advance the position, he didn't do any more damage with it. That you know, it, it was yes, he was maybe going from say a, a half guard to 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 full guard to half guard to full guard. But what was he doing with that? Absolutely nothing. He, I just, yeah, and I personally, I don't, I don't agree with this. You know, the superior wrestler can can win a fight by simply doing nothing and just lying on his opponent or or her opponent. I don't agree that that is. That's why we all like Khabib so much because yes, he was a wrestler that got his opponents to the ground, 
but what did he do when he was on the ground? He'd have the wrist. He'd look to to you know look at Ed, the Edson Barboza fight. Mm-hmm. Yes, he controlled him for the best part of you know two or three minutes per round. But look at the state of Edson Barboza's face after that. Yes, he wasn't maybe searching for the submission, but the damage, the effective damage that he was doing on the floor, the cumulative damage that he was doing on the floor is what made him such an exciting ground and pound specialist. You know, and, and that's oh, what yeah. Storley wasn't doing. And then obviously the, the last fight fight area control, fight area control is assessed by determining who dictates the pace of the fight, the place and the position of the match. That was wow. Logan Storley. But that's right. last. This will be assessed very rarely, right? That shouldn't nothing else, right? So you could argue that you know the effective aggressiveness and the 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 cumulative impact of blows and contribution to the, towards the end of the fight wasn't there for either man. So the fighting area control may have come into come into play. But personally, I just don't agree. I think the impact that Page had on the feet, yes, it was maybe for two minutes of each round and you've controlled for the for the final three minutes of each round. But the yeah. impact that he had on the feet was far more significant than the impact that Storley had on the ground. He was just stalling the fight until the end of the round or till the end of the fight in the in the fifth. Yeah. And I you know I I wouldn't be against judges coming out and say, look, I scored that round I scored rounds four, five uh, I don't know, one, two and three for for Storley because I felt that he did the better work on the ground, he was controlling page on the just some explanation from these judges so that we don't have these contentious decisions. So that yeah. we know, you know, and that'll help us understand understand MMA better because these are the rules. You can they're, they're online for, for all to, to go and read. Like I said, um we'll link it in the description below so you can go, you know, that's just one aspect of it. And there's there's far you know, it's a thirteen page document that I had the uh, the pleasure of going through yesterday, which was uh, quite enthralling on a Sunday morning as I but um, it was more know, interesting than the fight. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Thirteen pages of fairly small font, uh, fairly small print size. Yeah, I was still more wide awake reading that than I was watching the fight itself. But, <laughs> yeah, I think the takeaway for me is that the work that Page did, even if it was for a minute and a half, two minutes, two and a half minutes on the feet, was far more effective, and far yeah. more had a more cumulative impact than, than Storley did and yes yeah, Storley did control him for you know in every round I think apart from maybe the fourth round it just appeared that Logan Storley kind of had the had the uh, had the round off but I just don't agree with the fact that that he comes away with especially I don't know what happened there. No, no, that's okay. Just keep going and I'll link it up. Oh, nice one. Yeah, um, yeah, I just don't agree that he walks away with an interim title belt after doing what? Lying on your opponent for, for the best part of 15 minutes of a 25-minute fight. And, you know, even Scott Coker, who, let's be honest, he, a, a direct quote is, you can't just lay on somebody. And uh, when talking about when talking about the result, and, you know, by the numbers, just looking on the Bellator 281 fight stats. Yeah. Eight out of 16 takedowns. So he landed 50% of his takedowns. But if you if you look at, you know, punches, Logan Sawley landed 40 punches. Where? Where were these 40 punches landed? And 29 out of 33 knees. Again, where? Knee and Michael Venom Page in the, in the legs whilst you've got him in a clinch situation up against the fence. For me, you know, it should almost be a whole... Because total strikes, he landed 72 strikes. But for me, knees to the knees to the, the leg of Michael Venom Page are not cumulative and looking to actually end... He wasn't doing that looking to injure the legs of Michael Venom Page and render him, you know, incapacitated for the fight. They were just sort of enough stalling tactics from Storley that he... Was able to, you know, not to be have the position taken away from him, which, you know, I just personally, I, I just leaves a little bit of a bitter taste in my mouth that Storley, you know, he's done himself no favors in my opinion. He, you know, are you looking to to tune into the next Logan Storley fight? Because because I, I I'm not, I have no interest. Oh God, in no, no. The next, 
the next uh, the next Logan Stolley fight. You know, let's let's be honest, he hasn't done himself any favors. <laughs> and you know, we've got we uh, we put out a poll on our, our Twitter. We got two hundred seventy two votes. Fifty one point eight percent of the people thought that Page won the fight, and forty eight point two percent thought that Stolley won the fight. That that says it all as to yes, it was a close fight. There's no denying that. Yeah. But but you know who who won who won, I can it's it's one of those fights where you can say yeah it, it was definitely Stolly Stolly's fight you know he, he won it four one maybe even five nil yeah you know Page did the more effective work he won it three two or four one it it could you could reasonably go either way but if you look and go by the rules sort of yeah highest priority to lowest priority the lowest priority is fight area control you control where the fight goes you control the pace of the fight and the position within the cage where it takes takes uh, takes place that is the last final and uh, just you know least important aspect and it even says on in the unified rule this will be assessed very rarely so you can't tell me that, that fight unlike rose and Esparza, it was so uneventful that none of the other factors took place that fight area control in the rose and uh rose and carla fight without doubt came into uh came into consideration because nothing happened nothing you, you, you need another four or five criteria just to try and judge that fight because nothing happened you know and and yeah for this one i think like like i say i'm not i'm not clambering to see the next logan Stolly fight which will be against uh amasov as and when as and when he's ready to uh as and when he's ready to to return and 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 fight but I think Amazov plays with him, you know, it's the kind of Oh yeah. Amazov is good. Like we know why there was an interim fight. It wasn't for it wasn't for Stoli. Like it wasn't for Starley in any way. Exactly. That's not why. They they it's can headline page active. Yeah, and they can headline Amazon's in London out. with him. He's a great name for headlining in London. They can yeah, sell out. And right? you know, and I can see Michael Venom Page getting having one more if if and when Logan Stoli and, and Amazov fight, I think Amazon, like I say, plays with him. I can yeah. see Michael Page having one fight and then jumping straight in back into a title shot right. against Amazon because that's that's the fight we want to see. But as as MVP alluded to, he has got that hole in his game, which unfortunately for Bellator is just a British thing. You know, we had Paul Daly on the card. Oh, and... before we before we jump down there, uh, the two judges who who chose it, it's a weird thing because he. Michael Van Page did land like a litany of more strikes overall in the fight, and there were more significant strikes as well. So this is a weird thing to be finding when your CEO Scott Coker is saying MVP should have won. Things are going on. So the two judges that chose it for Logan, uh, these are veteran judges. Brian Miner and Michael Bell have been judging MMA for more than ten years. They've done a few hundred fights. They don't seem to be overly bad judges either. Like there's a few decisions where you're like, I don't know what's going on there. Like um, Michael Bell was the dissenter with Jake Collier versus Andre Arlovsky. That's not that big of a deal. That's not even a bad pick. Um, he yeah. picked Ali Zhang over Rose Namajunas. Again, like th- that's not a bad decision. That's no, no. These are, these are reasonable reasonable fights that, that is why you have three judges because they can quite literally go either way on the night. And, and like you say, yes, they're not the, the consensus maybe with the Collier and Arlovsky and the, the Wiley-Rose. But, but that's fine. Those are close fights. It, with no one's shouting robbery in those fights. No, you know this again. I'm not shouting robbery in this fight, but this is a far more close fight than than those two, in my opinion. Is it? Yeah, well, yeah, <laughs> but yeah, that's the thing of like we we've. Ta- I feel like this conversation is like ten years old, where we clearly established top position doesn't win you the round, or like just general control doesn't win you the round. We're still talking about it is the intent to trying to finish the fight, which is like you said, why Habib was so effective. He would just go from submissions to ground and bound constantly, just switch between the two. He was always aiming for the finish. You have to be trying to finish the fight. Um, you can't just. Like like uh, Mr. Coker said, you can't just lay on top. I feel like this is such an old conversation. We've seen this before of like guys on the bottom will often win rounds since like 2015. We've seen this, right? I mean, it, quite quite literally, you know. Um, I was just you know flicking through our Twitter because I remember retweeting something from um, Shaheen Al Shati, who obviously well respected MMA journalist. I think he he's at MMA fighting now, or he has been for a few years. Quite, he tweeted it ain't 20, uh, 2006 anymore wrestling with zero offense doesn't win fights yeah <laughs> this conversation's yes. old because at the end of the day you know you can get 
uh, uh, the the uh, you know Jordan Burroughs could could transition over to MMA and just do that to people all day every day, and he wouldn't be a star. No, you know, a Kayla Harrison is taking down each and every opponent that she's facing. But the damage, that, the cumulative damage that she's doing, the fact that she's constantly looking for a submission, some sort of lock, or at least looking in, looking to transition to get her opponent to to expose himself. Michael Venom Page was not in any danger that entire fight, as far as submission threat. Yes, he received a few uh, few strikes to few strikes on on the ground when uh, when they were down there, but none of them were sort of concussive shots. None of them were the the Robbie Lawler Ben Askren type sort of ground and pound. Yeah. There were just shots for Storley to to keep the position, rather than to actually progress the position, look for a look for a finish at, at all. And like I say, he he's not done himself any favors with regards to actually. No one wants to see him fight again because, yeah. especially you know what what would a fight look like against a, a, a you know a fairly elite striker who has far better takedown defense than than. Uh, MVP is Storley just getting pieced upon the feet because it's almost like the, the the strikes thrown on the feet for Storley and landed on the feet for sure. You know, Bellator, as far as getting hold of Bellator stats is concerned, it's near yeah. on impossible. You know, UFC stats do a phenomenal job of the morning after they have the UFC stats up on the website in detail, you know, control round by round. Bellator stats, you can't, you can't get hold of for loving the money, but. Nope. I'd be interested to see that the, the strikes landed on the feet by Logan Storley, or at least even thrown on the feet, because he wasn't even throwing. And what he was was, you know, leg kicks at with no pace at all. And you know, what have we learned about Logan Storley as an MMA fighter? Very little. What have we learned as, about Logan Storley as a wrestler? I'd say we've learned very little because we knew that he was a phenomenal wrestler going into the bout. But I don't think we've learned anything about him as a as an MMA fighter because. What what's his what's his stand up game like? We don't know. Not you know, <laughs> who knows? Like, we don't know if he's improved from the from the Gracie fight. You know, he's obviously got the split decision loss against uh, Amosov back in 2020. Has he improved from that fight? Again, we hmm. we don't know because he just hasn't shown anything on the feet. And yeah. you know, fair play. Yes, he's he's a far better wrestler than Michael Page. But I could have told you that again. if we knew the fight was going to go that way heading into the heading into the fight on, on Friday night. Well, you know, it's going to be a test of whether Michael Venom Page can defend the takedown of Logan Stall. I would have said, we'll save us 25 minutes. He won't be able to defend every takedown of Logan Stall. It's what Stall he can do on the ground. Right, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, know, that, we we knew that Page was going to get taken down at some point. That, that's fact. It's like when McGregor faced Khabib. Every round starts on the feet. Okay, yes, but he will be, his takedown defense isn't great. He will be taken down. And that's what played out ultimately. And this is the same with Michael Vernon Page. We knew that he was going to get taken down. It's his ability to get back to the feet and then capitalize on the fight when he was on the feet. And I thought he, he did that, but uh, obviously the judges don't agree with me. Well, and that and that uh, that's a really good example of changing meta in MMA that we've seen over the last twenty years. Where guys, uh, fifteen years ago, you, you tried to defend the takedown, and if you didn't defend the takedown, you would try to work off your back. But now we see fighters like uh, famously Dustin Poirier and Conor McGregor. Just go ahead and take me down because I can get up, but I'm not going to work off my back. I know how to get up better than you know how to take me down, and that's For kind sure. of where the meta is right now. But that's been a massive change. But yeah, so the judge who chose Michael Venom Page maybe as controversial in MMA as the dissenter. He did pick Alexander Volkanovsky over Max Holloway, or sorry, no, other way around. Sorry, he picked Max Holloway over Alexander Volkanovsky. I don't think that's a bad decision in any way. He seems like a pretty good judge. Even if he's the dissenter there, that fight was hella close. Again, yeah, you know, I I agree with that. Like like you say, with the other two judges that picked Sawley and and picked Collier and picked uh, uh, Wally Zhang, you know, we yeah. do we do see these judges. Unfortunately, they've got different opinions on what wins a fight, which shouldn't be the case. Which shouldn't be the case. Yes, that's they're unified rules for a reason. Yeah, you know that they're, they're, they're not called make your own rules but kind of stick to these rules but you know have these rules in the back of you. yes everyone sees it sees it from a different uh sees it from a different angle yeah but they're unified we should be getting you know when when you've got some judges you know we see it quite often in MMA 
one judge is giving it 30-26 to, to fighter A, and then another fighter is giving it 29-28 to fighter B. Well, how how is that possible? You know, yeah. how is that how is that or, or you know, you've gone 30-27 one way and 30-27 the other. That shouldn't be happening because it should be clear and obvious who wins what round. Yeah. Even for close rounds, it should still be fairly clear and obvious. Whereas clearly it's it's not it's that's not the case. And you know, like like you say, these judges are it's not that you get it far less in MMA than you do in boxing where Canelo, he needs to knock Canelo out to get a draw. Which obviously mm-hmm. isn't quite the case <laughs> against Bivol, but, but previously that was the rhetoric. You have to not, especially in Vegas, you have to knock Canelo out to get a draw. The Adelaide bird card on the first Golovkin fight was embarrassing. <laughs> and yet, you know, she, she continues to get work and, and, you get it a lot less in MMA where you get these outright robberies. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. You get controversial decisions. The Rosa Sparza fight was a controversial decision. Sure. But that fight is also, you know, there's an asterisk next to that fight because that wasn't a fight. That was two women sort of just having a bit of touch sparring with each other. <laughs> but, you know, it's uh overall, I, I think if this was a UFC event, it would be getting far more eyes, but because it's a Bellator event, at a, at a non-friendly time for the US market because it was based out in, in obviously based in London at an appropriate time for ourselves. Yeah. And there was far more talking points other than the main event. I think there was at least two, maybe even three bigger talking points than, than the main event. And But I will throw in one more thing. It's not, people always talk about like the system, the 10-9 system, and like maybe we do half points or maybe we do something else. It's not that. It's the judges. Who cares what the system is? We're just saying it could be like green lights, red lights. This guy won the round. That's all we're trying to say. You know what I mean? But yeah. that's not where judges are even agreeing. They're not agreeing on who won the round. I don't care if you're doing half points, whole points. You know, you're doing some other weird shit. The judges aren't agreeing. They're not. They don't know what they're seeing is the problem. It's the people who, you know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. And, and you know, you, you get people... Uh... I was sort of tweeting out from the MMA soccer account and out from my personal account whilst the fight was going on. Yeah. And someone came back like, how can you possibly think that over the 25 minutes page won that fight? I was like, what? That, that's, that's not how we're, ju- we're not judging a 25 minute fight. True. We're judging, essentially we're judging five, we're judging five fights and accumulating that at the end. We're judging round one. In, and then once round one scores are in, we forget about what happened in round one. Round two, we forget about that. Round three, we forget about that. You right. know, we're not thinking, well, you know, Page was controlled a lot in round one, and then he did quite well in round two. And then three was close, but maybe because Storley was more dominant in round one than Page was. In round... No, no, no. We're... Each round is five minutes, and then we put it to the back. You know, we're not judging. Mm. When it gets to round five, and and uh, I think, well, you know, the, the fight overall was close. Let's go back and look at round one. No, yeah. round one is done. That's that's because you know you will be swayed by what else has happened in the in the fight. You're Certainly. judging it round by round, not as a fight as a whole. And and to your point, you know, why aren't we having? What, what's wrong with having five judges? Absolutely, hundred percent. I agree. Seven judges, or yep. you know, obviously it has to be an odd number because otherwise you'd have, let's say, you had ten judges, five score it for one, five score it for the other. We get a lot more draws and a lot more sort of inconsistency. So five judges. Or even, you know, five judges spread equally around an octagon. There's eight sides to an octagon. Five judges spread equally around. Sure. And then you leave the, a big space where the commentators are so they're not swayed by what the commentators say. They need yeah. sound cancelling the headphones so they're not swayed by the fans. They don't even, to be honest, they don't even need to be in, in my opinion, they don't need to be in the, the arena itself. They need to be, they could be out of the back watching it and say, you know, can I have... Angle one on this screen, angle two on this screen, angle three on this screen. There's okay. hundreds of cameras at a live Bellator, live UFC event. Mm-hmm. And in that one minute in between rounds, they can say, right, can I just see that sequence again? Did Was it a knockdown or was it a headbutt, for example? that's that's, And then, you know, okay. Oh, okay, it was a headbutt. And, and you know, it was Carl uh, Darkus and, and Kevin Holland. That fight ended in a... I think Dalkus ended up getting the victory and then it was overturned to a no contest because Holland obviously was sort of knocked out from the head. But, right. but af- after the round, you could you could say, right, well, can I just quickly double check? You know, it was, I've made a note, it's two minutes 30 in the fight. I need yeah. to see if that, that 
right hand landed or or you know was it a slip for example and then you just get the contentious sort of out of the way a little bit and there's a lot less oh well the judges were definitely swayed by the, the British fans booing but booing Logan Storley for, for stalling the fight and not doing anything well how could they be because they're out the back they have yeah, they're, they're sat in silence watching the you're not impacted by the fans you're not impacted by the the, the the con- potentially by the commentators and especially especially at the UFC Apex. I know obviously we're talking about Bellator, but at the UFC Apex, you've got next to no fans. You know, you've got what maximum 40, 50 fans in the in the if if that in in the in the arena. Yeah. The judges are sat in close 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 proximity to the to the corner teams. Yes. Now if I'm Alexander Rakic, who's barely landed a, a right hand, it's just sort of gone off the chin of Jan Blahovic. But my team's going crazy. Hey, yeah, great shot. You know, that landed, it always wobbled. The judge is thinking, oh, well, they've got a slightly different angle. Oh, okay, I'll maybe mark that down as a as a significant strike, potential fight ending strike for Rakic. You're influenced by what's around you, especially in the apex. Absolutely. So stick them out the back, stick them in a, in a private sort of, you know, business suite and say, look, you have an option of three, you know, we've got 10, 10 cameras here. You've got an option of three that you can have on three different screens. Yep. Score the fight and it will be, you know, we'll have an official person here to take the scorecards. You know, obviously there'll be some sort of logistics since I'm not paid enough to uh, just sort those logistics out for Dana White and Scott Coker. But, you know, it, that way you, you eradicate any... He was influenced by the, by the crowd. He was in, influenced by... You know the referee stepping in to to stand them up when he was actually doing work, for example. You know, influenced by what the referee is saying. You know, they, these people are only human. They can only if they're not actively being influenced. Oh, well, the corner team said that that definitely landed, or you know, the corner team says that he's tired, or the corner team is saying that he's hurt. Well, that's potentially not the case. But they they they're just you know, it's almost like osmosis. They're just taking that in from the crowd booing because the hometown favourites on his back and. Referee stands them up, and you know the the corner team saying what they're saying, and you know you are influenced by the the pull of a, a Conor McGregor against a Cowboy Cerrone, for example. Mm-hmm. Every shot that Conor lands has a potential to knock his opponent out, whereas yeah. you know a, a lesser heavy-handed hitter could be landing a similar impactful shots as McGregor. And yet, because the crowd isn't going crazy, you know, in a main event, people are going to be more pumped up for a main event than they are for a, the first fight on the prelims. That doesn't say that a strike from a main event fighter shouldn't be counted exactly the same as a strike from a, a guy, you know, when there's no one in the crowd. But because the crowd don't go crazy, because the, the corner team maybe doesn't, you know, act as animated as the, as the corner team from a main event fighter, mm-hmm. that strike may not be scored as as impactful, which, you know, like I say, just stick the judges in the back and, and eradicate all that, those potential issues. And I think I mean, it feels so weird to have this conversation again and again and again, but so much of what we do is because, well, that's tradition and that's what we've been doing for 70 years. Like we were talking about uh, weights last week. I'm like, that's just yeah. how we've been doing it. <laughs> yeah. Three judges who sit cage side. That's just how we've been doing it since all of history. Why would we change it? Well, the people who invented the sport, if they had access to VAR and instant replay and like, you know, stuff like this, maybe they would have done that sort of thing. And it's, you see this a lot in baseball as well. And like, especially with the slow uptake of VAR in, uh, in league football of like, well, that's kind of just how we do it. Some umpires are going to see different things. No, it's not, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, well, we're going to change how we're playing based on how crappy the umpire is. No. What are the rules? If the people who invented the sport had access to these kinds of things, they absolutely would have uh, wanted to do it because they were trying to enforce the rules. They're not enforcing the rules based on unless the person sees something else otherwise. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah put, sure. put three guys cage side, four in the back in some soundproof room. Why not? I don't know. So do something different. Try it. Yeah, exactly. And, yeah. and I think who was it? It was... Was it Invicta that were trying out the the open score in a few yeah. few months ago? Also, I, I know a fairly major promotion was trying out the open score and to say, you know, your fighter is the judges have scored it. Your fighter is two 0 down. They have to go out now and finish that, yeah. finish the fight. Why not just try that out to see if you get a more interesting final round? Sure. In, in each and every fight, you know, if a fighter's two 0 down, they'll go out looking for the finish. If a fighter's two 0 up, they'll know that they they need to. 
they need to, you know, maybe get on their bike, but they know that their, their opponent's going to be coming at them. Mm-hmm. If the fight's 1-1, each person is going to go out there and put it all on the line and, and look to get to get the to get their hand raised. And, you know, if if MVP if if uh, MVP knew that he was, you know, potentially three three uh, sorry when it was potentially two two, mm-hmm. you know, how would that have changed the the fight going into the final round? We'll never know. But yeah, you know, going forward to the UFC, Caitlin Chikagin and Amanda Hebas, that final round would have been, you know, it was a great final round anyway. It would have been a far more interesting final round if the each girl knew that you know it's potentially one one. I'm down, she's down on one other card, and I think it would just make for more interesting fights. But Unfortunately, yeah. I don't think the open scoring, especially, is, is going to be a, a thing in MMA for a number of years. I, I completely agree with you. But let's move forward because the Bellator card also had some real sad fight and uh, and a real good fight as well. Let's start with the sad one because we never like to see Leota Machida lose. An absolute legend. A guy who kind of, jeez, uh, I don't know what to say. He, he's one of the most ad- he kind of advanced how good striking was in MMA for that era. Uh, but yeah, seeing him get knocked out, I just feel sad in my heart. What do you think? Yeah, for sure. And I, you know, I looked at his his um, his record and thought, you know, how would Bellator measure the success of having a former UFC light heavyweight champion? I know that he then competed for the middleweight championship and then competed again for the light heavyweight. How would they? Yeah, you know, he's coming off the big front kick to to Vita Balfour in his last ever UFC fight. I believe that was in Brazil. So it's you know, how how would they assess the success of of his transition over, you know, we're comparing it to Michael Chandler. That's money. He's yes. He's two and two in the UFC, but are you tuning in to see a Michael Chandler fight next? Absolutely. You know, with Leonardo Machida, is it a success? Well, if you look at the guys he's lost, he's beating Rafael Carvalho. It's a split decision in his debut. And then Chael Sonnen. And the guys that he's lost to, Gegard Mousasi, split decision. That is aged quite well because Mousasi's still looking like a killer. Phil yep. Davis, split decision. The Ryan Bader, unanimous decision loss, and now he's being knocked out by Fabian Edwards. Uh, man. If I was Scott Coke, I don't think maybe the transition of, of Machida from sort of UFC, you know, he's coming off two two victory. Yes, it's a split decision, but a split decision victory, and then that that front kick to the face. They signed him when he was what thirty nine, so I, you know, he's never going to be the, the sort of poster boy for for Bellator no but you know after getting knocked out by no disrespect to Fabian Edwards but getting knocked out by Fabian Edwards is uh, probably not where a, a, a le- let's be honest he's a legend of the sport and he's not where a legend of the sport like uh, like Leota Machida wants to be you know um, it, it's like you like you say it was tough tough to see because he didn't even look in the, yes, the fight ended in in uh, in a round, but he didn't even look like vintage Machida or look like he was ever gonna. Edwards is too big, too young, too quick, and too powerful for him, unfortunately. And uh, obviously, that played out in the in the result. Yeah, and like getting, I think also Machida needs to look at like he's not landing stuff from the open, but he's getting in trouble in the clinch where when he was in his prime, nobody could even like the only person who could touch him in the clinch was John Jones. And now you got this guy beating you up in the clinch. Uh, this is like you can visually see that he's he's not where he, where he he was. Like uh, just yeah, for sure. And it, like you say, it's it's upsetting to see, but it's it kind of is what it is. What do you expect from a forty three year old guy that's been knocked out multiple times? He's gone through some wars in his time. He's been choked out, obviously by uh, by John Jones. That you know that brutal. The guillotine yeah. shirt where he just let him go and walked off one of the best one of the most iconic submissions yes it's not the best submission but one of the most iconic submissions in UFC MMA history yeah but you know I, I want to see Leota Machida fight one more time against do, against a Bellator type opponent where he is just going to be getting a gimme let's be honest Bellator are in the business of feeding fairly poor <laughs> fighters to to two guys that they they want want to get wins and do that for, do that for machida speaking of speaking of feeding poor fighters to fighters that they want to get win paul daly got a great retirement knockout victory here now paul daly um i mean we throw legend around a lot because there's only like five words in mma and 
well, legend is one of them, but like he is pioneer certainly... being another one, and he is very much a pioneer as well. <laughs> <laughs> he's a veteran. He's been in there with like Scott Smith, Nick Diaz. He was fighting like Pat Healy back in the day, Josh Koscheck, Jake Shields in Elite XC. Like he's been around forever, and I'm not sure that he ever improved. I'm not sure that he ever got a he ever got better. But he had a really good left hook and a lot of power. And in this fight, you could see him win. Uh, this is officially right hook knockout round two. This is his retirement, and good for him. It's about time he retired. Yeah, for sure. This is the most Paul Daly fight yeah. in his last fight. that you know He was out-wrestled in the first round. He was getting out-wrestled, and then he just sits back and relies on that yep. brutal one-punch power that he's got, that we know that he's got, that he's had since since you know he's fought in Cage Warriors, Bama, Strikeforce. Obviously, he had the UFC. He had a strange UFC career being cut from the UFC. Yeah. Obviously, Bellator, Elite XC, that fight against Nick Diaz. And, you know, I was looking at his record. He's got 35 knockouts in 44 wins. That's pretty That's good. That's appreciated power, which, you know, and a, a welterweight where, you know, it was just the most Paul Daly fight. He was out, <laughs> like I say, he was out on his back, probably arguably even a 10-8 in the first round because he did nothing in that first round, really. Yeah. And then he manages to get taken down in the second round. Gets back to his feet, uses that Paul Daly power, Semtex power, and gets the knockout. And Paul Daly is what he is. He'll go down as a, without doubt, a British MMA. And I know you said we throw it around, but he is a British MMA legend. Yeah. And you know, to have fought in, you know, Cage Warriors and Bama when Bama was a was a thing. You know, store in Strike Force. He did have fights in the UFC. He's now, you know, he's been he's fought for Bellator for a good few years now. He's without a doubt going to go down as, as a, a, a again a pioneer of British MMA you know coming the rough house days with uh, Jim Warhead and, and Dan Hardy and yep. you know I wouldn't I wouldn't be opposed to seeing him become sort of like maybe you know how they had Peter Queeley on the uh, on the commentary or, or on the sort of analysis side I, I I think Paul Daly as far as analysis goes he's got nothing to add for, to, to the wrestling analysis but stand-up <laughs> analysis I think Paul Daly is a recognizable face for Bellator and would do well in, in that sort of realm going forwards. I, I think that would be a, a good, you know, you don't want to see Paul Daly taking crazy, you know, random boxing fights on small shows. Now you want to see him retired from, from combat sports and hopefully he's got the right people around him to, to make sure he does stay retired. Yeah, I agree. I completely agree with you. He does deserve all the praise that he gets because he was doing MMA it was especially hard in the UK before it was accepted. Like in the US, it would kind of became accepted around that time. But even like it, it's only just become kind of a thing in the UK in the last five or so years. He was out there well before then doing MMA, doing kickboxing, stuff like that, where nobody else was doing this kind of thing. Yeah, for sure. And it's, I think he is the most British MMA fighter that I think we've ever seen. Yeah, he's got that raw power. Mm. But his wrestling game is awful and always has that's, been. That's... <laughs> and that's the I think that's the problem with you know his teammate back in the day, Dan Hardy. Pretty yeah, pretty average wrestling, very good stand-up. Darren Till, fairly decent, you know, pretty pretty good stand-up, pretty poor wrestling. Michael Bisping, pretty poor wrestling, pretty decent stand-up. There's a theme going here, and there is. is maybe the, the poster boy for absolutely he was out wrestled by MVP, who we've just said has next to no wrestling game. And uh, but you know he, he sat back and relied on that power, and it, it's got him to to forty four big wins with thirty five big knockouts. And you know he's competed for Bellator titles. He's competed for you know various. Titles. He never quite got the, uh, the the to the title in the UFC because of you know his because he was he was out wrestled by Josh Koscheck and then. And then yeah. Got too frustrated, which, but you know, his, his UFC record obviously stands at two and one, two first round knockouts, including a knockout against Martin Campman. Which, that was a good one. you know, that a knockout against Martin Campman, Campman doesn't do your sort of credibility any misjustice. You know, he's a, he's a phenomenal stand up striker and mm-hmm. daily slept him. So, uh, you know, but if you look down his, his losses, John Fitch, Rory McDonald, Douglas Lima, and uh, and Tyron Woodley, that Nick Diaz fight was phenomenal, and Josh Koscheck. These were all wrestlers. Jake Shield, Nick Thompson back in the day. These yeah. guys are all wrestlers, and he and these are all guys that he's he's lost to as a result of the wrestling. Now, if you look at the stand-up fighters that he's fought, 
you know, Lorenz Larkin, Eric Silva, Sada Wad. He's not sure these guys out and or, fit, or at least beating these guys. So when I think he's a kickboxer that likes fighting in, in four ounce gloves rather than an MMA fighter, in my opinion. But uh, Paul Daly's obviously made enough money now that you can sort of ride off into the sun. And with a record of 44 and, and 18, I think he's uh, it would do it. Like I say, I hope he's got the right people around him to to put that sort of combat sports career on hold. I think you're absolutely right that he's a kickboxer or maybe just found more money in MMA or something like that. But yeah, he's absolutely a kickboxer. Uh, Paul Daly, uh, Alina Colindu got a good TKO win. So it's good to see her keep getting wins because I, th- I think she's underrated. What else did you see on this card that you liked before we move forward? It's just, I think um, we've got the next uh, competitor for Liz Carmouche's card in, in Kanawatabu. Uh, uh, you know, Carmouche did, defeat her in her last fight but there's nothing else in the Bellator uh, 125 pound division um, obviously locked in that triangle choke in the second round I think that's 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 going to be what's next the Bellator the flyweight division is equally or if not more stale than the the, the, the UFC featherweight division and that's saying something massive <laughs> yeah Denise Kielholt I mean she, she's a really good kickboxer just like we were talking about, I'm like, man, it's really hard to transition to MMA. MMA, and like, sure. you saw the difference of like, Kana c- can't strike, Denise can't wrestle. <laughs> so like, that's exactly. it. <laughs> uh, we also had a really, really just amazing. Um, no, I don't know what to say on this. It's just a weird fight. Bohovic versus Rocket. Uh, Rocket blew out his knee, so it's a TKO victory. But like, what did what did we see leading up to that? Does that? There's no one else in this division of like, do you want to see him back in a title shot? Well, there's no one else. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it was disappointing into the fight because the fight was fairly decent. You know, I think Yan was. I think it was one-one. I think Yan won the first round despite getting the cut underneath the eye within the first sort of ten seconds. But he was eating up that leg of Rakic with the low kicks, and mm-hmm. I didn't quite realize. You know, we need to put some respect on Blahovic's name for his leg checking ability. Yeah, that's it one of the like best Every single sh- leg kick that Rakic was throwing was being checked. Yeah. Even if it wasn't being sort of lifted out, he was, you know, stamping down and turning the, uh, turning the shin out. Yeah. It was, yeah, it was really, really, really good. I think, I think that maybe even played a factor in blowing out the knee. Perhaps you know, if if you put in a lot more weight on, you know, if your lead leg is 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 mashed and you're putting a lot more weight on your on your back leg, yeah, and you're not used to doing that in training, perhaps that had a had a uh, had an impact, but. But yeah, it's weird because remember when they used to have uh, fighters walk into the cage and they had like three strengths? They don't do that anymore. But like Bahovic would have been leg kick defense, which is a weird strength. I don't think anyone has had that before, but it is a strength of his. It's maybe his best talent. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, you say it's his best talent, which I completely, you know, his his stand-up game is is his best aspect, despite being a black belt. Mm. He's, you know, Glover dominated him on the floor. Rakic dominated him in the second round on the floor. Gustafsson back in the day dominated him on the floor, and it's it's yeah, it's pretty 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 rough for for Blahovic, in my opinion. If he gets taken down, and he's I think like you say, he's probably going to be next for the is it two seven five two seven yeah two seven five main event. Something like that. I've got no real interest in seeing Blahovic versus Glover two. No, I don't care. But who else is there? The winner of Anthony Smith versus uh, Ankalaev. They don't fight until much later on in the year. So, you know. I'm hoping Jiri just, like, because Jiri's an exciting fighter that I get excited to to watch. Like, I I like watching Jiri fight. So I hope that he becomes champion and is able to vent because he's fun. And there's not a lot of, even though the division is kind of thin, it's also not that interesting. Like, there's not a lot of fun action fighters in it. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, I'll be uh, for two seven five. I'll be doing a, a keys to keys to victory. Probably I'm, I'm. I've been looking at a few fights. Probably going to do it for Glover because I imagine I haven't looked at the odds, but I imagine he'll be the underdog going into the fight because he's the underdog going into every fight. But yeah, yes. The thing is with Jiri Bahatsko is if you if you watch his two UFC fights, he's not good defensively. He <laughs> just gets jabbed in the face and yeah. You know, I'll allude to it in my article, but I also hope that he becomes champion in a way. No disrespect to Glover, but we know what Glover's going to do. He's got fairly decent boxing and he's going to look to take you down and, and kind of, you know, maul you when you're down there. With Jiri, what what is he going to do? Your guess is as good as mine, but can he knock you out 
we've seen spinning elbows, we've seen the knockout of Ozdemir as well. Can he get knocked out? You know, if that style with his chin high up in the air is anything to go by, he's he's on a swift, swift, uh, swift pass to CTE. You know, he's he's he's, he's on his way to being knocked out. And I think, you know, if someone like Ankalaev gets his hands on him or Blahovic manages to land on him, I think he probably goes out because he has that fighting style of hands down, looks to use his reactions. But he looks to use yeah. his reactions and he's not actually that good at actually defending the shots. You know, Dominic Reyes landed and wobbled him. Ozdemir landed on him. So, uh, yep, it's uh, that'll be an interesting fight for sure. I'm looking for It's really a matter of who yeah, gets there first because I think Prohashka has negative like wrestling grappling talent of like Muhammad Lawal way undersized was out wrestling him. Vadim Nemkov way out wrestled him until Vadim got tired basically. But like he, he's not a talented counter wrestler in any way, but if he lands, he can win. But if he doesn't land, yeah, I don't know. It's a fun one. We'll talk about that one later, but um, anything else on the UFC card that was kind of notable, like Ryan Spann got a win over. Yeah. Ivan Ryan Spann, right? David Grant and Michael Johnson all got good finishes. I thought Chikagian looked really, really good. I actually picked her to finish yeah. the fight. Uh, which you know she's never done in the UFC, and I don't know why I picked her to finish. But I just thought you know it's about time that she she stepped up and did get the finish against a smaller girl. And she was she was landing a lot with power and stopped a lot of what Rebus was looking to do to her on the ground. She's yeah. easily the second best follower in the world, but she's worlds apart from Shevchenko. We saw that in their fight. She called again for the fight, the winner of the fight, or she said, you know, Manon Faro in in Paris. For me, I think that's September time. That's good. That'd be that, fun. That, that, that's next for me. I think that's the, the fight to make. And I didn't want to. I don't want to put too much emphasis on it because I think the guy's scum. But Andrew Lee's corner and Tony Kelly's comments about Brazilians. For me, yeah. he's got no place in the sport. What that added to to his advice for for Andrew Lee is redundant, in my opinion. It didn't add anything. It didn't. You know, she's saying, oh, you know, she eye gouged me or, or she grabbed my glove or whatever. Well, Andrew Lee grabbed the fence. So, you know, you don't see see um, see the opposition corner, uh, you know, going on on, on the, the, the filthy American or anything like that. Yeah. And, you know, Tony Kelly's come out and say, oh, you know, cancel culture is real. But I just come out and apologize saying, you know, I got caught up in the moment and uh, I shouldn't I shouldn't have said anything. I want to apologize to. I can't remember who it was, Andrew Lee, for. I keep on having Talia Santos in my head, but I think that's the guy. Uh, Vivian Erehale. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, Talia Santos. Santos is the one that's fighting Shevchenko in a few weeks, isn't she? So, yeah, just come out and say, you know, I mean, no disrespect to her and her team. And, you know, congratulations on a good victory. Exactly. Exactly. I'm like, I was kind of the weird thing of like, you did throw Brazilians under the bus, which you didn't have to do. But it's not in the Chael Sonnen way of trying to hype a fight. And we know that Chael didn't really think it. No, let's be honest. It was it was a a pro wrestling line. Tony Kelly. Yeah, there seems to be some animosity there. And this is on the back of Andrew Lee having a husband or ex husband or one of her cornermen having a swastika tattoo in one of her early UFC fight. From what I remember, I don't. No, I don't yeah. want to speak out of line, but I'm pretty sure that was a. I don't know why I've got that in my head. So just pick your cornerman, really. It just, just, but you know, I've just written in my notes. Let's hope Adrian Yana just knocks him out cold in June, and maybe, maybe yeah. then he'll wake up and apologise ever so slightly for his. Uh, I doubt it. I bet it's the opposite. I bet he doubles down if he gets knocked out by a Brazilian. He's gonna be like, look how he cheated. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I'm hoping. Yeah, maybe I, I even. You know, low level hope Adrian Yanez has to pull out the fight, he gets put in a fight against a Brazilian and the Brazilian knocks him out or, or, or something to that effect. Um yeah. yeah, for me there's no place in, in there's no place for that. Uh but yeah, coming up, uh, I don't know if there's anything else on the card you want to cover off. Uh no, yeah, Maximov Hill. got the got choked out in a little over t- a minute or two minutes, which mm-hmm. yeah, and Jake Hadley looked disappointing, you know, eight and coming from the UK. Cage Warriors flyweight champion was dominated throughout 30 27 on all scorecards, and that's uh, you know, he missed out on fighting in uh, in in March in in London. He'll probably miss out on fighting in uh, July in London as well now, so uh, not really sure what will be next for Jack Hadley. Uh, let's just hope that he doesn't doesn't deteriorate too much from his from his career because he is good, and uh, I do think he's got a future in the UFC, but not on the performance that he showed at the weekend. It was pretty, pretty poor. 
Yeah, I don't think. Yeah, I don't. I know. It's, it's, there's, there wasn't much else there. Uh, this weekend we got some a pretty good, a pretty. It looks honestly on paper it could be a very entertaining UFC card without any name power. I'll quickly throw in one championship on Friday. We'll have two Muay Thai title fights in the first round of their Muay Thai Grand Prix. Uh, so if you're in that, that's like it's going to be a really good Muay Thai card. UFC this weekend. Holly Holm, Caitlin Vieira, Santiago Ponzinibbio, and Michael Pereira is going to be a lot of fun. Chidi and Jukawani is going to be a lot of fun. Pollyanna, Viana, and Tabitha Ritchie. Eric Anders is back. There's potential for a lot of fun on this card. Yeah, for sure. You know, I think Holly Holm versus Caitlin Vieira is a good fight. Uh, I, I, hmm. I like Holly Holm. I like watching her fight because lately she's seen she's shown a much more willingness to press her opponent up against the cage when she is in trouble on the feet against uh, Irene Aldana. That's what she did for pretty much 25 minutes and then was just opening up. Mm-hmm. I think Holly Holmes is going to be too good a striker for, for Kellen Vieira. She's too good a defensive wrestler these days as well. She's not being taken down as much in her past, in her most recent fights. When she is being taken down, she's nullifying anything that, that her opponents are. You know, Raquel Pennington and Aldana were able to do very little to Holly Holmes, in my opinion, either on the feet or be it on the ground. I think this probably determines the next the next bantamweight title contender after Pena and Nunes fight it out on uh, after Tough concludes. They'll obviously have their fight, their rematch. I think this probably determines the next next striker. Uh, the, sorry, the next contender. And uh, that's, that's all you need to know really about the bantamweight division. But yeah, I, I agree with you. I think as far as star power on the card, you know, Holly Holm is the name. I imagine we'll see that Ronda Rousey knockout <laughs> seven or eight times on the broadcast. Santiago yeah. Ponzinibbio returns against uh, Michelle Pereira. That's that's fun. Fun, you know that's two strikers. No one if the takedowns landed, it's because someone's panicking after being caught. And uh, yeah, I think outside of that, it's it's pretty thin on the ground. But this is what happens with the UFC. They put a, pre- a pretty thin thin card out, and then it absolutely delivers. Yeah, so, <laughs> be sure to tune in. You know this 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 weekend the Blahovic Rakic uh, card started off fairly slow. There were a lot of decisions on the card, and then you it just seems to aside from the main event that had the, the disappointing uh, disappointing finish. You know, on the on the main card you had Hadley being dominated, but you had you know knockout, and then you had fight of the night Caitlin Chikagin. David Grant's fight with Lewis Schmoker was a really good fight. And then Ryan Spann versus Ayn Kutalaba. Just, they looked like they were about either man could have landed and knocked each other out. And then Ryan Spann jumps on the neck. And, you know, yes, the Blahovic Rakic, um, the finish of that fight was a little disappointing. But yeah. up until that point, it was it was a good fight. I enjoyed the fight. You know, it wasn't a boring light heavyweight fight with two men just looking to land on each other. There was yeah. there was danger for each man. The leg kick, the, the takedown, the, the fact that Young Blahovic was doing that sort of hook uppercut left to the body with the overhand right was uh and, and was landing on Rakic multiple times. I think you know it was a good fight. So I think this card will be the same. You know, be sure to tune in because it's one of those where yes, it hasn't got all the names that you he hasn't got the the Charles Oliveira just engaged you, Michael Chandler on the card, no. Mm-hmm. But I almost guarantee that it'll deliver some crazy, crazy finishes. Yeah, it's going to have some sick stuff on there. Chase Hooper's down on the undercard. Like you said, Ponzinibbio, Pereira's is going to be weird as hell. Chidi Njukawani is just chaos whenever he fights as well. It's going to be fun as hell. But yeah, let's get out of here for the week. Um, what are you writing this week? What can we look forward to? I'll, uh, yeah, I'll be looking at some breaking news points. I'll be keeping on. Uh, we've got an Eagle FC card with Junior Dos Santos facing Jorgen De Castro, and there's plenty of other UFC, Roosevelt Roberts, Hector Lombarda both on the card. So that's something to keep an eye on, Eagle FC. I think that's on maybe... Uh, on Thursday or Friday, okay. um, yeah, that's on Friday, and obviously we know that's Khabib's uh, Khabib's promotion. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, Javante Davis returns this weekend just in time for him to put his name back in the hat for the for the Cambosis um, Devin Haney fight. And I think that's the fifth of June. So that's you know that's what two or three weeks away. If he gets a big victory, he's his name's straight back in that hat in that absolute killers division so uh yeah be sure to to you know if, if you're in the uk probably wake up on sunday morning and, and see tank davis if you if he if he's clever he'll come in bang on championship weight he'll get a big hopefully for him we'll get a big finish and he'll he'll be saying right no questions i will be in australia in, in three weeks 
ringside for uh, Devin Haney versus George Combosos. And and I, I will, you know, I will get in the ring and I will be fighting the, the winner of that fight, no questions asked. But we know with Tank, he'll probably miss weight. He'll cruise to a boring victory and he won't even pass comment on the fight, unfortunately. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, let's hope he does because that division, you know, you've got everyone in that division can beat everyone in that division. And it's a, it's a phenomenal, you know, we've had Ryan Garcia come back. We've got Lomachenko on the, on the brink still, um, who was obviously meant to be fight, uh, fighting Cambosos, but with everything going on in Ukraine. And uh, we've still got, you know, the forgotten man, Teofimo Lopez. Yes, he lost to uh, Cambosos, but he could beat Cambosos tomorrow and he could beat yeah. Devin Haney tomorrow. But he could also lose to both like he did in the uh, the original fight between between himself and, and the, the Aussie Cambosos. So, uh, you know, let's not forget about Teofimo Lopez, who has been set out for a while, but... It's a fun day, uh, it, it's, it's in my opinion, it's the best division in boxing at the moment. You know, it's mm. one falls out, Devin Haney jumps in. That's for 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 that to happen is is it's got me excited for sure. Well, let's get out of here for the week. We look forward to it, Fraser. Thanks so much for your time, sir. Likewise, mate. Cheers.